become this powerless vehicle that sits there but is unable to do anything or accomplish anything. That's in Christianity by and large. But I have a greater fear, and that is in our independent fundamental Baptist churches in America today, is that many, not all of them, I'm not saying everyone by any stretch of the imagination, but, but we are in danger, us, we are in danger of becoming a vehicle that is sitting in a garage with zero power and zero ability. And that worries me. And that concerns me. The world looks at us here in America and still refers to us as a Christian nation. If you drive around America, you'll see more churches dotting our landscape than many other countries. And at uh, any time of great difficulty, such as 9-11 or uh, even when COVID hit, really there's a, uh, if I can say it this way, there's an uptick in Christianity. And there's a uh, renewal for people to say, well, I'm a Christian and to go back to church. But I often fear that it is such a temporal thing that it is a powerless Christianity. And it concerns me greatly. And as we think about that, Many, even of our politicians today, will end their speeches and they'll say, God bless America. But they live lives that are heathenistic and completely contrary to the Word of God. And we wear our Christianity on our sleeve and we wear it uh, in, in, our act, in our words, but it really does not bear out in our, in our life. And even our money on it uh, bears in God we trust. I thought, well, maybe that's why they want to go to a cashless society as well. It'd be easier than trying to change that. Every bit of that is a shell of Christianity that exists, but there's really no power with God that is left in it. They're words that are really, for all practical purposes, without power or without worth or without value, because there's nothing behind them. Second Timothy chapter number three, there was a great warning that this would come. And Second Timothy chapter number three, in verse number one, the Bible says. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Verse number five has our phrase that I want us to focus on. The Bible says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. God, I thank you for each and every person that's here this morning and each and every Christian that's here and each and every uh, person, Father, that's tuned in online. And God, I pray that you'd use me this morning. God, I pray that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch each and every heart, Father, that we would desire to be a, a Christian that has power. 
not from and in and of our own selves and not for our own glory and not for uh, any kind of selfishness, but God, that You may be glorified, that God, You may work through our lives. And God will certainly thank You for that and God will, be, will give You the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name, I pray, amen. If you're here this morning and you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, man, praise the Lord for that. That's a huge blessing in your life. And, uh, and if you think about that, we know from Scripture that uh, once you've trusted the Lord as your own personal Savior, that uh, you don't lose your salvation. That salvation is eternal. By the way, the devil knows that too. And so because he's aware of that, he knows, hey, you are a child of God and therefore you belong to God. And there is no way for him to take you or steal you or get you uh, to, to suffer eternity in hell with him. There, that is totally out of the realm of possibilities. And he's aware of that. But the second best thing that he can get you to do is since He can't have you, uh, He can get you to live your Christian life with absolutely zero power and zero uh, effectiveness at reaching other people with the Gospel. He can, in all effective manners, shut your life down for Christ. Or as Jesus said, Take your little light and hide it under a bushel. That's what he would desire to do. Because he can't have you. But he wants to take your testimony away. And as we look at this verse and at this phrase, the, verse, the, the Bible says there in verse number 1, This know also that in last days perilous times shall come. And I know they've said for years that we are living in the last days. And I'll be honest with you, I... I don't know. The Bible is very clear. No man knows when Jesus is going to come. We don't know the time or the hour. And, and I'll tell you that I believe we are living in the last days, but it could be another 50 years, but it could be just as short as less than 50 hours, an hour. Jesus could come before we close out our service today. And, and so I, I don't know, but I look at things and I, I look at this list and I, I don't want to go through this list because honestly, uh, each and every one is very clear and very evident in our society and in our world today. But I want us to understand and realize that I believe we are living in the last days. Just because we're living in the last days does not mean we have to replicate what is put here. I'll go back to, I was thinking about the, uh, the coming of Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ was born on this earth, when He was a baby, when He was an infant. And we have that, uh, I've mentioned this before, but there was that 400 years of silence when God did not speak uh, to, the, uh, to the nation of Israel. No prophecy was given. Prophets did not say, well, I had a, a vision, and let me tell you what God said. There was none of that, but they carried on as things for 400 years. But there were still good people that were living right. I mean, Mary and Joseph 
God chose them. Elizabeth and, uh, and her husband that, uh, that bore John the Baptist and the prophet uh, Anna and uh, the other prophet that had waited to see Jesus. And so I say there were lights that were burning bright in spite of the wicked day and the silence of the word of God that had been going on. And so I say all that to say just because we're living in the last days and just because there are some that, that uh, have a form of godliness but desire deny the power thereof does not mean that we have to be numbered among them. We can be different. And so I want us to have a message of warning more so uh, as preventative because I don't want us to be a, a church that has a form of godliness. And as we look at this, the Bible says there in verse number 5, our phrase and our, our focus for this morning, the Bible says having a form of godliness. I would call that religious godliness. I mentioned in our uh, earlier that there's there's churches that dot the landscape everywhere. I, I'm amazed. I drive I drive through uh, Maslin and I drive around. And I'm like, oh, there's another church. Oh, there's a church. Oh, there's a church. Oh, there's another church. And there's churches just dot our landscape. But uh, but at the same time, you drive around and, and let me let me kind of show you the contradiction because while there's churches here and churches there and churches sprinkled all over creation, hey, there's just as many bars here and there and everywhere. I remember not because I lived them, but I read through the days when, when, when people would preach and all the bars in town would shut down because the power of God was moving in that place. What I'm telling you is we have a whole lot of religion, but we don't have a whole lot of power that's going on. There's religious godliness not only are there churches that are spotted everywhere in Christianity, and I'm talking very generically when I say that, that uh, there's all those churches, but I'm even saying that amongst Baptists, there are there is a movement that is trying to pull people out of the Baptist movement and remove Baptists from their name. I'm just telling you, it's not new. This is not new in 2022 or 2020. This has been going on for years that, uh, that there are always a group of people that are trying to pull away from godliness and being, being right with God and walking in paths of righteousness. There has always been crowds that are trying to draw away from that and say, well, you can be saved and you can be a Christian and you can live and do anything that you want. There's always been that group. But they continue today. And they're trying to draw people away. And we should not be surprised by that. Uh, there are those who want to, uh, to bring the world of the, the music of the world into the church. There's those who want to bring the, the dress of the world into the church. There's those that want to bring the ways of the world into the church. And they want to marry the world with the church house. And what I'm saying is they have a form of godliness. They're denying the power thereof. They're religious, at least in optics. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Save your spot here in 2 Timothy's. We'll be back here. But 1 Timothy, just back a few pages. In chapter number 4, I'd like you to see this verse in the Bible. 1 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 1. The Bible says this, 
1 Timothy 4, 1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. So we're again talking about end times. And he says, some shall depart from the faith. Look at what he says. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. I want to just look at those two phrases for a minute. We have seducing spirits. I put down there deceiving spirits. And so what does seduce mean? The word seduce means to draw aside or entice from the path of rectitude and duty in any manner by flattery. They tell you, They'll tell you lots of things. In other words, hey, you can, uh, you know what? We have, you know, here's, here's a key phrase. We have liberty in Christ. Boy, they like to use that phrase. And it's not new. It's been around for a long time. And they'll tell you, well, you know, I mean, uh, after all, you don't, you don't need uh, this, and you don't need a, you don't need a tie, and you don't need a coat, and and you don't need the standards that the Bible gives you, and you know what? After all, you can you can drink alcohol and be okay with God, and you can live in the world and be okay with God, and before long, they're they're bringing the two together, and, and what it is is it is a seducing spirits, it's deceiving spirits that are saying, hey, you know. It's okay. By the way, this is nothing new either. Because that's what Satan did in the Garden of Eden. You go back 6,000 years ago, it is the exact same method. Old Satan came slithering up in the form of a beautiful snake. I mean, they weren't scared of snakes. And if you think about all the colors that snakes come in, they are kind of neat, to be honest. The venom aside. He comes slithering up in all his beautiful... Uh, maybe he didn't even slither. He might have had feet because afterwards God cursed him and he'd crawl on the belly of the ground and eat the dust. So I don't, maybe he had feet. I don't know. But anyways, he come up and in all his color and, and he starts sweet-talking Eve and saying, Oh, you're not really going to die. It's okay. You can do, Hey, you can eat of that fruit. I know that God said you can't, but man, I'm telling you, there's not going to be a problem if you eat that, that fruit. It's the same thing. It's been going on for 6,000 years, seducing spirits, deception that is telling you that it's okay to live in the world, that it's okay to do this, and it's okay to do that, when clearly God said, hey, uh, listen, I want you to live right, I want you to do right. And can I tell you something? There are some things that God did not clearly define that it is just as well to go ahead and do them. Say, hey, I'd rather live on that as close to God as I can get, then try and experience some of the liberty that the rest of the crowd is trying to get. They're seducing spirits and they're deceitful and, and, and they'll draw you away and, and they'll tell you all kinds of things. I was taught this many years ago that, uh, uh, that a liar will make everything sound good. And here's how you define a lie. A lie is the skin of a truth stuffed with garbage. In other words... It's all packaged really good on the outside. By the way, the, um, well, I'll just say it. That's kind of what marketing is. It's not always garbage that they're selling, but man, they make that outside look like it is beautiful and it's everything that you need in, the, in your life and that you can't live without it. Man, they make that skin and that wrapping look so beautiful and you open it up and you're like, this is it? That's all I got? Wow. Wow. I sure thought it would be a lot more than that. 
And that's what a seducing spirit is. That's what the devil does. He is a master at deception. And he is busy uh, re, re, redesigning and marketing Christianity to Christians so that they are sold a bill of goods. That's what he's doing. Deceiving spirits. Look with me the next phrase. It says there in verse number chapter 4 and verse 1, we're in 1 Timothy 4, 1, we're just looking at this one verse for a minute. And the Bible says that last phrase, and doctrines of devils. Now you might think, well, doctrines of devils, that should be easy to spot. No, no, it's deceptive as well. I mean, the devil is an expert packager. He's an expert marketer. He's an expert at these things. And, and listen, the Bible tells us in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 14, and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. If you were to go back and look at the context of that verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you'd find that Paul is, the apostle Paul is warning about false teachers and, and people that would uh, try and give out false information. And listen, to have a doctrine of the devil, you don't have to uh, be worshiping Satan. We would obviously know that's wrong. But they take doctrines and they just twist them enough that they're wrong. And they just take Scripture and they, concur, they, they, they make it what they want it to say just enough so that we're confused and so that we're messed up from what God is really teaching. And I'm just saying that, hey, they, we've got to be so careful because there's so much religious godliness Godliness with a small g that they're throwing out there. And they want to sell you a bill of goods. They'll dress, they'll dress worldly, uh, uh, or they dress worldly, fleshless live, fleshly living up in skin of Christianity and sell you a bunch of garbage. That's what they do. The Bible says back in our text in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 5, having a form of godliness. I'm just telling you that I've, I've seen the crowds and I've been around them enough to know that they don't produce a powerful Christianity like the guys who stick to the old paths. I've seen it. I've watched it for years. And you can watch it. You can see and you see and they're just not putting out Christianity. They're not putting out the quality of Christians that, that Christians ought to have. They have a religious godliness. But the second phrase that I want us to look at, the Bible says having a, back in our text, having a form of godliness. I would put that religious godliness. But the Bible says, but denying the power thereof. I put down for that, resisting God's power. They dress up in their Christianity, but they're ineffective in their prayers. They're ineffective in their spiritual life. They're ineffective in reaching uh, other lost people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're ineffective in doing the ministry and work of God because there's no power of God behind what they're doing. They resist the power of God. And what I'm telling you is if we're not careful, we can buy into that bill of goods. 
I said, I think it was last week, it might have been a couple weeks ago, I, I heard uh, our friend, Brother Scott Pauley, say this phrase several times, and, and that's there's, uh, now I forgot the phrase, but basically the idea was there are no shortcuts to get the product. We all want the product, but we don't want to pay the price. We all want what, what, what we see looks good, but we don't want to go through the steps to get to that product that we see. And, and that's kind of the idea here, is that they're saying that they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. I started thinking about what is the power thereof. I was reminded very carefully and very quickly that the the one of the power is the power of the Holy Spirit. I was reminded that on Wednesday. We were going over questions on Wednesdays and one of the questions that was asked was when was the uh, filling of the Holy Spirit and and uh, and I started looking in the Word of God and, and found in the Old Testament that people were filled with the Holy Spirit and that they were used of God and, and I'm just saying that listen you can dress yourself up as a Christian you can look the part of a Christian you can proclaim Christianity but you can deny the power of God and the Holy Spirit in your life. I was reminded of the verse in Acts 1.8. The Bible says, and Jesus was speaking and He said this, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And listen, we can have the power of God on our life. And I'm not talking about crazy stuff. Uh, there's a lot of people who go off the deep end on the Holy Holy Ghost and, 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 and the power of the Holy Ghost. But I'm telling you this, that we need the Holy Spirit in our lives every single day if we're going to live right and do right. We cannot do it without Him. And He is the source of that power. He said, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And uh, the power doesn't come uh, from trite phrases that are, are passed around. God bless you. I'm praying for you. Or this or that. Uh, the, the power comes from uh, walking in the Spirit of God. I thought a good example of this is the life of Samson. You think about Samson. What was Samson? The Bible describes him as an average, ordinary fellow. He, he was not Mr. Hulk Hogan walking down the, the street. Um, some of you are like, Hulk Hogan. Sorry. I guess I dated myself. He was not Mr. Muscle and Buff. He was a, he was a normal guy. But when the Spirit of God came upon Samson... Wow, incredible things happened. That wasn't Samson. That was God working through Samson. That's the power that I'm talking about. One of the saddest verses in the Bible is when the Bible says uh, in Judges 16.20, and, and this is when Samson was uh, with Delilah, and she was, of course, trying to capture him for the Philistines. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself, and he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. And I'm just telling you that in our circles and in our church and in my family and in my life, I don't want 
want to get to the point where, where temptation comes and when sin is knocking at the door and the enemy is right there ready to capture us and, and we wake up and we say, all right, I'm going to go fight this as I have in time past, but we don't recognize and realize that the power of God is no longer on our lives. That's a scary place to be. And he didn't even recognize it. And I'm just telling you the power comes from the Holy Spirit and He helps us. And those seducing spirits draw us away from God and allow sin to be introduced in our life. And the Bible says in Ephesians 4.30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. We need a sensitivity in our life to the Spirit of God as we go throughout our day day after day saying God am I living right God is my life right with you God is there something that needs cleared up between me and you because I want to maintain a good relationship with God because I want the power of God on my life I want the power of God on your life I want the power of God on our town I want people to be able to say and God's moving I don't want them to look at me and say well that Shane Rice he's quite a guy no I'm, I'm really not but the God I serve, He's quite the God, I'll tell you that. If you let Him work through you, man, things will get done. Things will change. The power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit is very clear and very evident and we need to not resist God's power. And by resisting God's power, I'm saying we need to be careful that we don't resist the Holy Spirit in our life. Because He is our power. I thought of one other thing, and these two things go hand in hand, and it's no coincidence that God says uh, in Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Then He says in Hebrews 4.12, for the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And I'm just telling you that the Word of God is associated with the power of God. The Holy Spirit is associated with the power of God. And if you're resisting the Holy Spirit in your life, then you're resisting the very power of God in your life. You're resisting the Word of God. Then you're resisting the very power of God in your life. Because the Word of God, the Bible says, is sharper than any two-edged sword and is able to divide the intents of the heart. It's able to decipher what, why we do what we do and how we live our life. And we ought to have a sensitivity to the Word of God in our life. When we hear it preached, when we read it in our own life, say, God... Am I living these things out in my life? I'm not talking about my neighbor. I'm not talking about the person sitting beside you. I'm not talking about your friends. I'm talking about your own life, that you would read the Word of God and say, God, is, am I doing these things in my life? Am I living right? A sensitivity to the Word of God in your own life. And if you're not sensitive to the Word of God and you're not listening to the Word of God, listen, you are resisting the power of God in your life. I don't want us to be a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. So many people today are departing from the King James Bible. 
Listen, this is the Word of God. I'm not interested in all these other versions that they have out that, you know what it is? It's watered down. That's what it is. If I had, if I had, if you were a sports fanatic or a health fanatic and you say, man, I, these are the vitamins I take because, man, these are the best vitamins. And, man, these help me grow. And these really help my muscle. And, and, and I say, uh, man, those are kind of expensive. I can't buy that. And you know what? I'm going to go get me something a little bit cheaper. And I, I buy a vitamin, and it's only got half the, uh, the efficiency of that vitamin. I take it. I say, man, why don't you take these? These are pretty good. That person is going to say, are you nuts? It doesn't have half the effectiveness it only has half the vitamins. It's watered down. It's not the full thing. Man, I want the full thing. Listen to me. I want the full thing of the Word of God. I don't want some watered down rendition of what God may have said. I Just tell me what God said. I want the full effectiveness of God's Word in my life. And I don't want to resist the power of God and deny Him changing books power of God, resisting God. Our verse says having the form of godliness. That would be religious godliness, but denying the power thereof. That would be resisting God's power, resisting the Holy Spirit in our life when He talks to us, resisting the Word of God when it's preached or when we read it. And then He finally ends with this in our verse. He says, from such turn away. From such turn away. I believe that is turn away from that form of godliness, turn away from resisting the power of God, and turn, return back to God. That's how I'm taking that phrase. If powerful Christianity is the path that you were on and the seducing spirits came and swayed you off the path, you need to turn around and from the path that you are on and turn back to God's path of power. From such, turn away, he says. Return to God. The path of powerless Christianity, I've spent a lot of time traveling in my life. I really, I thank God for the privilege and opportunity I've had to travel to so many places. Even, even young, growing up, my, my dad was Air Force, so we moved all over, and I've lived in different places, and I got to see a lot of different things. I thank God for that. I've spent a lot of time traveling on the highways, and I've, it's no secret, I'm horrible at directions. But I, I, I remember traveling, it's been a time or two, actually, this has happened to me, and... and uh, and I remember when I was a kid, especially I was traveling with my dad, and uh, my dad was driving, and we were going a long way. I, I don't remember. And, and I, I felt like my dad was getting tired, so I felt like I needed to talk to him to keep him awake. So I, I, it's not hard to get my dad to talk. If you ask him, my dad is a, uh, a teacher by, uh, by birth. I mean, he likes to teach. He enjoys teaching. And so I know how to get my dad talking. Just ask him. I think I asked dad how radar works. My dad, for the next hour, would explain to me how radar works. I mean, that just keeps his brain engaged. I mean, he just he likes to explain stuff. So I asked him something like that, and, and he explained it to me. And I remember we were traveling, and, and before long, uh, he, he, he saw an exit go by, and he said, wait, wait a minute, 
What exit was that? And I said, I don't, I don't know. I didn't see. And, and he said, he said, I think that was exit whatever number it was. And I said, well, what does that mean? He said, we passed our exit by 50 miles. All that time he was explaining to me about radar. He wasn't paying attention to the directions. We got off. We, we were going the wrong way. And, and, and I, I remember even in my own life driving. This was obviously before GPS, you know, and driving. And I remember I was driving and I got off to get some gas. I got gas and I got back on and I got on the highway, but going in the direction I had just come from. Of 20 minutes the wrong way. I'm just saying in our life, it's incredibly easy to get off the path of righteousness and off the path of Christianity and off the path of God's power and get onto a path that's diverted in a direction that you don't want to go. But as soon as you recognize I'm on the wrong path and I'm heading the wrong direction, hey, you need to stop your car and you need to turn around and you need to get right back to the path where you you lost, got off pla- off track and off place. And listen, I know GPS is popular. I, I love GPS. I use it all the time. Uh, but uh, listen, I got to have the volume on. Sometimes I've been traveling and for whatever reason, the phone didn't connect or there's no volume. And man, I just keep driving until my GPS says, hey, dumb, dumb, you got to turn here. You missed your turn. And I'm driving away and the screens are flashing and saying recalculate and recalculate and trying to find a good path and I'm just driving away because the volume got turned down or something. And I'm just saying that sometimes in our life, hey, we block out the sound of the Holy Spirit that is saying, hey, listen, you need to turn around. The path that you're on is not the path of righteousness. The things that you're doing are not going in the right direction and you're going to end up lost and you're going to end up off track and you're end up going the wrong way in your life. You're denying the power of God. And I'm just saying when you realize it, when you hit that point, hey, you have got, you have got to do as the Bible says. It says, uh, denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Get your life back on course. To be a powerful Christian. To listen to the Holy Spirit in your life. To dedicate yourself to do what the Word of God says. A sensitivity to the Word of God. A sensitivity to the Holy Spirit in your life. And I'm just saying, we have got to follow God in our life. Because if we don't, we're going to be like the first part of that verse that says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. I don't want that to be you. I don't want that to be me. I want my life to count for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want the power of God on my life. I want the power of God on your life. Because the Lord knows America doesn't need another church on a hillside that's a shell that has no power of God inside it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as we stand to our feet, The Bible says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Father, thank You for Your Word. God, thank You for the great truth of Your Word. God, we're in danger every day in our life 
of turning off you in our life. They're seducing spirits all around us, doctrines of devils, God, that would pull us away from the path of righteousness, pull us away from, the, uh, from you and from your word. And God, I pray that you would strengthen us. I pray, Father, that you would help us. God, I pray that we would not be those that have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. God, help us to be open to you. Help us to follow you. God, we'll thank you for that. God, I pray that you'd touch hearts and touch lives as only you can. God, maybe there's somebody here that doesn't know you as their own personal Savior. God, your Holy Spirit is knocking on their heart's door put their faith and trust in you. God, maybe they're drifting in their life and they have no purpose and they have no direction and they have no, nothing to live for. God, I pray that you would help them to understand and realize that you died on the cross to save them from their sins and God, they can put their faith and trust in you and they can be saved today. I pray that you'd speak to hearts, God, as only you can. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play with heads bowed and eyes closed, the altar is open. These have come. Are you on the path of righteousness? Are you sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Are you sensitive to the Word of God? Maybe you are, and I pray that you are. I really hope you are. I know that in my life, and it's easy to get off track, we need to be careful. We need to guard against that. America doesn't need another church that's powerless. America doesn't need another Christian that's powerless. America needs Christians that are fervent, on fire for God. Sensitive. Willing to follow Him. Willing to obey Him. Willing to live for Him. Maybe God's spoken to your heart. Pray for our church. Pray for one another that we all would have that fervency. Fathers, pray for your families. Mothers, pray for your children. Pray that God would move and work in our midst. Because I can tell you this, God is not dead. He's still alive. He still wants to work. May God help us to be powerful Christians, not powerless Christianity. to a close and I certainly